And we go live in three, two, one. Is that a sun shirt? Oh, you know it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is the new sun shirt my wife uh, gave me repping the uh, the valley. Uh, we played great, um, and we end up sweeping the Denver Nuggets 4-0. So get out the brooms. Um, it's a sweep, and we are going to the uh, conference finals for the first time since 2010. So I'll say that again, 2010, it doesn't seem like it's been that long ago, but it has been 11 years since 2010. Um, wow. So it feels great. Uh, so I am proud of the Suns. I keep lacking faith. I'm going to be honest. I keep saying that it should be a tough matchup and then we end up doing really well. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to be a doubter anymore. Um, you know, I'm proud of this team. I think we, uh, I think we're doing really well. Um, basically right now, uh, for you, Cody, since I know you have no idea what's going on. I have no idea. Um, we are waiting to see who wins the Jazz versus Clippers. Um, so the winner of those two teams will play us, and then the winner of that game will go to the finals. Um, uh, so that would be nice. amazing if the Suns made it to the finals. Um, I think both of those teams are really tough, so it'd be tough to um, get past them. Um but I wouldn't put it past us. Just going to say, nice. you know, I think we got a shot, um, however slim a shot um, uh, to get there. So I'm pumped and it's been a great week, um, you know, watching the games and everything. So um, and your Hawks aren't doing bad. Um, you know, they're staying in their series as well. Uh, so kudos to them. That's for what doing I heard. Well. I need yeah. to get into it. I mean, that's what everybody keeps talking about. It's like, dude, the Hawks are in the Hawks are in. I'm like, I didn't even know who the Hawks were for a little while. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I might I might have to go get a shirt too. So I might get a Hawks shirt. Be a and how cool to be the Hawks if they played for the championship. The Suns be the Hawks. I'm just gonna say it's unlikely um, that both teams make it, um, but stranger things have happened. But you're saying there's a chance somehow that there may okay. be a chance. <laughs> Very unlikely, but maybe a chance. We'll do the um, first Will and Cody live, and we'll watch that game together. Yes. Yeah. Even though I have no idea what's going on. I was going to ask, can you name one starting player for no. the Atlanta Hawks? <laughs> okay, so you are a true Hawks bandwagon fan that they have officially yes, made sir. it to the playoffs and you're already uh, bandwagon. The same on thing them, with so. Atlanta United and the Falcons. So you just wait for them to be good and then you yeah. decide to jump on. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Whereas I've suffered through 10 years of misery <laughs> with the thing a Suns fan. And so I finally get to rejoice, um, you know, spending most of my life just waiting. Uh, you know, for the Suns to be good. So it's finally paying off. Finally paying off. Um, finally is. So, yeah. So great update there. Happy to give that update. Um, <laughs> you know, that the Suns are doing well. Well, maybe you'll uh, keep wearing Sun shirts uh, till the end. If not, yeah. If we represent. don't see a Sun shirt, we'll, we know what happened. So, yeah. I won't ask. I'll be depressed. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever, if we, uh, you notice the podcast like takes a month break, you know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> William's out. <laughs> yeah. William's not recording. <laughs> oh man uh dude we actually got some questions uh this hey. week so i'm gonna go ahead and read the uh first one um this one actually caught me off guard for a second uh and it put a lot of thought into it and i know we've we've already discussed it but uh the question is are there are any areas regarding personal finance that the two of you do not agree about or don't necessarily see eye to eye on 
So that's a good question. And unfortunately, um, there's not a lot. Uh, Cody and I, um, I, you know, we try to be of one mind when we're doing this uh, podcast and things. We want to have differing opinions so that, you know, you listening or watching can get different perspectives. Um, but we find that we usually just tend to agree. And if there's something we disagree on, it's very slight. Like it's a very small disagreeing um, to the point where it's difficult bringing it up. And so I would joke and say it just means that we're right. Um, and so it's like <laughs> one of us isn't wrong, so we're not going to disagree. Of course, I'm joking with that. Um, but there's just not a lot of things that we disagree on. Um, and I would say that as we've done this, uh, you know, either the the podcast or the content we're creating on social media or the blog, as we've talked with each other, our viewpoints have kind of like we've convinced each other of different things. So as we stand now, we don't really disagree with each other on a lot of big topics, just because I think one of us has like won the other one over mm -hmm. to their viewpoint. Um, or at least we've kind of found some common ground. Um, you know, there's really not a, like a big topic that we disagree on, I think. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. I mean, and we were both trained by the same financial advisor. We did the same internship. Um, we've got the same uh, people in our lives that are influential in in what we've what we've learned, what we do. So we have very similar viewpoints. But I mean, when we first started this, there was there was some times when I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is how it goes. And you're like, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, I think one was um, and I think it's actually on the podcast where I said that everybody needs a financial advisor. Mm. And then you said, like, you didn't quite think that was necessary. Like, not everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a preconceived idea that everybody needed it. And I didn't know that there were uh, limits um, mm. to, to getting a financial advisor that you needed to hit a certain kind of net worth for, for the most of them, the bulk of them. Yeah. And so I had no idea. And so for some people like that, if you can get to, let's say the, the, the amount is $100,000 or I think you said two fifty. dollars mm. uh, If you can get to a net worth of two fifty, you're doing pretty good. So you probably don't even need one. Um, but of, of course, you know, I'm sure that there's people out there that have a very high net worth that they would rather just not worry about it. And then, you know, financial would be nice. So my opinion of if that everybody needs a financial advisor was completely changed. Yeah. And I'd say do that, you know, to that point, I think it depends on the person's complexity, like the complexity of your personal finances. Um, you know, if you're managing different businesses, um, you know, you've got your, um, you know, maybe stock investments, real estate investments, you know, different things that you're managing. And sometimes just even the cash flow part of it, just making sure that, um, you know, you're selling at the right time or buying at the right time. It can be difficult to manage. Um, just making sure that you have a steady flow from your investments to feed like your lifestyle if you're living off of that. So maybe that's, you know, something um, or if you're, uh, you know, someone who needs a lot of advice or with just like somebody to talk to, just having a person to go to that you can ask questions or that could help you along your journey. That could definitely be um, something. Um, I just, you know, don't want to say it's for everybody across the board um, that needs to have one. I think it can depend on your situation. And a lot of the simple stuff that we teach is really great for people that are under those minimums that would be at a financial advisor. Because um, I think, it, you know, the stuff that we're trying to teach can get you up to that kind of net worth. And then you can decide from there 
if you want, you know, to expand further, or if you just want to keep doing what you've been doing, you know, um, you know, if it's been working. Um, so I think there's definitely a benefit to financial advisors. I think it just depends on your um, situation. Um, and so I have financial advisor friends and they're probably very upset with me right now <laughs> for saying that because they would say, of course you need financial advisor. But I just think if I'm being honest and really looking at it, I think it depends on your situation. I don't think it should be the same across the board. Um, but they get definitely helpful. They can definitely be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't think, you know, we should just make it as a thing of like, that's for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And so that my mind was kind of changed when, when we went and talked about that after the podcast. Um, yeah. cause, uh, I mean, you're right. You know, if you, if you get up to that kind of net worth, like you could just continue doing what you're doing because it's already been working for you. And yeah. so, but I mean, there are people out there that have higher net worths, maybe really complicated, you know, uh, securities or things that that it would be better that an advisor look at or handle so you know mm -hmm. definitely there there's a place for them but uh the idea that everybody needs one is not really my opinion anymore yeah and i think it depends too like also um if, you know another similar area that i would compare it to is like taxes um you know i think pretty basic you know most people can do their own taxes just pretty basic level but as you add complexity getting a CPA would, you know, be of benefit. And I think planning those, you know, planning out taxes, especially people with multiple businesses or multiple income streams and investments, you know, that could be something that could be of benefit, but I wouldn't say across the board, everybody needs a CPA because well, yeah. I don't have one. I just do my own taxes, you know? So yeah. I think it depends on that. There'd be something I kind of compare it to um, with yeah. that. And I think another thing I just thought of Cody that I think we also, um, kind of came to see eye to eye on is like using um you know mutual funds versus index funds that's one thing i think we um have like started to come to see more eye to eye just based off fees i think that's really been um something we've discussed a lot over the past few months is you know yes you can get a certain return but what you have to look at what fees you're paying um and right. so i think that's something that we maybe disagreed of like well you know just look at the return um but looking at as well of like, okay, but what are the fees being charged by whatever you're investing in? Um, so mm -hmm. that would be something else I'd mention. Um, yeah. You know, that I think we've disagreed on. And then you've also helped me, um, you know, when it comes to crypto, I'm really not an expert on that and really wasn't interested in that, to be honest. Um, as an investment, I kind of was just like, uh, it's going to take some time to research it. So I'm not really going to look into it. Um, and was really just kind of like, I'm not sure how serious to take it. Um, and so you've kind of, you know, just helped educate me on that. Um, you know, that there could be some value there, um, in certain ones, you know, some of them get, uh, kind of pumped up that maybe shouldn't be. Um, but there is some value to be found, you know, with them. So mm -hmm. I would say, you know, that's something that you've kind of helped me, um, with. Um, and so I think we have a balanced viewpoint on that. I don't think one of us is like more extreme or anything. Um, so I think we've kind of come to a common understanding of, of that topic as well yeah um, where we kind of used to be a little different and we've kind of come together uh, to agree on that yeah i mean so we i mean we've disagreed but it's not really the big topics you know not like you know emergency funds like should you have one is debt is some debt okay like things like that we've we're, we're pretty much on the same page yeah. uh but yeah some small things like that um you know fees in mutual funds versus index funds um really it's more about just the education 
Um, you know, I, I mm. like to lean towards more the finding savings. Um, and you kind of help educate me more on things like investing and, and mm. stuff like that. I, I try to focus on like ways to save money, maybe side hustles, things like that. So it's really more of just a lack of, of knowledge in that certain area. Mm. Um, so like for me, mutual funds, like I, I didn't even really think that index funds really were a thing. I thought everything mm. was a mutual fund for some reason. Yeah. The idea of an index fund, like even when we were in our internship, um, we, we looked at mutual funds. This is a pretty common thing for that specific um, financial advisor. So I, it just, I thought that's what everything was. And then yeah, you like, thought everything was like actively managed. Funds. And then, yeah, there's the whole yeah. side of not actively managed funds and uh, well, you know, what we call index funds. Yeah. Yeah. So whole two or three years there. ago, if you said, hey, would you invest in an ETF? I would have told you, no, go take a hike. <laughs> but now I'm actually in some ETF. So yeah, you're like, oh, okay. Not that bad. Yeah. I was like, no, no yeah, they're no, not they, managing that, you know, yeah. but you know. Oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I think knowledge, you know, does help. And I think you educate me as well on things. Um, you know, so I think as we educate each other, I think it helps shape your viewpoint, hopefully, um, you know, as you get some more information around it um, versus like a preconceived notion that you're coming into some. So um, I'm sorry if that's disappointing. The person that asked a question <laughs> that we don't disagree. So here's our promise to you. If we find something that we like really disagree on, we will make sure to film our discussion of it. And maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a separate thing. But we, if we ever find something, we will make sure to record our discussion so you can have all the heated moments of me and Cody going back and forth. If that's what yeah. you were looking for, of me and well, you know, Cody and I, yeah, just debating <laughs> something maybe. I don't know if it's a debate, um, uh, but we will make sure to cover that in some sort of recorded um, uh, content if we find something. So that's our promise to you. Um, and unfortunately, we're kind of boring right now and just agreeing with each other. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when I got that, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be really, really good." And then I started thinking about, it, I'm like, "I don't know what it is." <laughs> so yeah, I don't anyway, know what we disagree. We even on, like but... right before the podcast, we we even like popped up top ten like most controversial financial topics, yeah. and we went through them. And we were like, "William's like, well, what about this?" And I'm like, "Oh, I think this." He's like, "Darn it, me too." So yeah, we were like trying <laughs> we to find things we disagree on. We promised we tried. <laughs> so. Uh, but um, all right, we got also, we also had another question. Um, this one's a really good one. Uh, how do I figure out exactly how much I should have in an emergency account, and should I always keep adding to it? Good question. Um, very so good. thank you, thank you for asking. Um, appreciate that. Um, you know, to keep it simple, our recommendation. Um, you know, and Cody, let me know if if you disagree uh, <laughs> about any of this, uh, we would say three to six months of expenses. Um, so what we would do is as you're budgeting, you're getting a, an idea of what your regular expenses are. And some people would do a trim down like essentials expenses. And some people would just say, okay, how much do I spend? Uh, so again, not earn, some, you know, some people could go off of income. We just look at it in terms of expenses, just making sure those expenses are covered um, for how much you're spending each month and then saving up into three to six months. Now, the um, difference between three to six months, um, uh, that would be up to you. And usually the things you're determining for that is, um, you know, stability of the income stream. 
So if you have one job and you're really not confident with it, that you're, you know, things could happen, you could get be let go versus some job you're like, you know, I don't see it being an issue of being let go. That could defect, affect that three to six months. So if you're worried about it, then you should probably err on the side of six months. But if you're not really worried about it, then you can go three. Other things are, um, you know, if you have multiple income streams in your household. So maybe you have uh, maybe a side hustle and your main job or let's say your spouse works as well. Um, then that could, you know, decrease your, um, uh, you know, how much you would need to save, you know, maybe closer to three months. So that's where that kind of varies. Um, and we give that kind of window to say three to six months, you should be good within that window um, of time. And so if you're a person that's really worried about it um, and maybe you just want to make sure it's covered, then just go, you know, if you want to go six months of expenses, you can do that. If you're somebody that's like, man, I rarely have emergencies, then I would, you know, then you could just do three months. Um, and, uh, you know, um, so it's really up to you and your preference. Um, but we would just say within that window, um, that would be, you know, you're, you'd be pretty safe within that window. Cody, any thoughts on that? No, absolutely. Um, usually when you want to get to the six months is like what William said, if, you know, you, you have one income stream and you're just not so sure about it. An example would be like something that's mostly based off of commission. Mm-hmm. And so you could have a bad season, um, even something like you own your own business or something like that. Let's just say you have a bad mm-hmm. season or or it's not the busy season or something like that. Um, you could have some times where it's like, you know what, I need to to have some reserves, some extra reserves. And mm-hmm. so the, I would definitely say go to that six months. I like being better safe than sorry. So I personally am five months and then six months if, uh, you know, we just did essentials. So if I cut out like, mm. you know, Netflix and, and a couple, you know, outtakes and stuff like that, I could do it for, for six months. That was right. just kind of peace of mind. But we have two income streams, so we really don't need to. We could have done three months, um, but I, I just like going overkill. So sure. anything over six months, though, I'm going to be honest with you, is overkill. And um, I've heard of people saying, hey, I, I want to do a year. I even heard of a whole year of earnings. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'll take I've heard of this. And that's a lot. Like, yeah. that's going to take a lot of time. And I feel like maybe you should be, you know, investing that or putting that towards other goals. Uh, but if that's what makes you happy, of course, we're not going to, you know, tell you otherwise, you know, go do what makes you happy. But uh, I do believe that's a, a little bit overkill. Um, there was a second part of that question that says, and should I uh, keep adding to it? Or should I always keep adding to it? And the answer is no, unless there's a change in your life mm-hmm. when it comes to your expenses or change in job when it comes to the security of your job. Um, so for example, if you had a very secure job and you were okay with three months, and then let's say you decided to have a different job and it was commission-based, we need to probably put that up towards six months, mm-hmm. right? And then we need to look at, you need to always be thinking of life changes. So for example, if you get married, then you have another person that is depending maybe on your income. If that's mm-hmm. the case, you should probably increase because those are expenses are going to go up. That's, mm-hmm. you know, more food. That's probably higher insurance, um, more, more utilities being used, you know, possibly another car. So we got to look at that. Mm-hmm. If you have a kid, it's even more. Even if you bring in a dog, 
we got we adopted a dog and he cost more than i thought and i was Dogs like well my expenses went up yeah and so my emergency fund was supposed to go up by like 100 bucks and i was like oh that's not that big a deal but it's still something to look at so should you always be doing it is that should that be part of the budget even though you've got that fully funded emergency fund should you have still a percentage that's just going to it i would say no it's not really necessary. I have heard of people that said you should have a small percentage for inflation. But honestly, I think you should just be looking at what your expenses are. And as your expenses may inflate themselves, then you should adjust and up the emergency fund. So, you know, take just take a, every other month or so, just take a look at the expenses. If anything's changed and you see, oh, I've got, you know, a couple hundred bucks more than, than I thought. Do the math, multiply it by three or six or whatever you're doing, and then just make that adjustment. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, I don't think you need to keep adding to it regularly. Um, um, just from what Cody said, you know, you kind of just have an amount that you want to set aside. And then over that, you want to make sure your money's working the most for you as possible. Um, so you wouldn't necessarily want to just keep setting it aside unless it's just really good peace of mind for you. And that's important. Um, cause the other thing that I would say is like, you know, as we've talked about margin, you know, so that extra money that you have, you know, between your income and expenses. And so as you're funneling that to your emergency fund, once you hit that number, then you can channel that money towards something else. And you would only bring it back in the case of, you know, first, if, um, uh, you know, you spent something out of your emergency fund, then you'd obviously replenish it back up to your number or what Cody was saying, where if your uh, expenses have changed, then you want to make sure you're bumping that up as well. So that's the thing I would say uh, mostly consider, um, you know, if you're using it, replenish it and then get back to where, you know, what you were, um, uh, you know, pushing your money towards before. Um, but then also I would say, keep an eye on your expenses because yeah, big life events like that can, you know, or moving, changing jobs, um, getting married, having kids, things like that um, can definitely increase those expenses. And you want to make sure your emergency fund is matching those as it goes along. Um, but I wouldn't say you need to, you know, keep adding to your emergency fund every month. Um, you know, my wife and I haven't, once we got to our number, we let it sit and then we just move on to the next thing. Um, and so if we ever use that, we'll build it back up. Or if we reevaluate and think our expenses are higher, then we can definitely up that emergency fund, um, you know, amount. Um, so really, there's a lot of flexibility with this. You know, I mean, as you think, you know, three to six months, there's a wide window. Um, so really, it's just what's comfortable for you and what gives you peace of mind, knowing that you're going to be, you know, you're going to be fine, even if you lost your job or had, you know, some emergency come up. So definitely some flexibility with this one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. Yeah, that's so, a good question. Yeah, consider because I, I think I have heard people that just keep adding, you know, to their emergency fund. Um, and I would say, you know, if, if you want to be safe, sure, you can do that. But I, I don't think it's necessary. Like, I think you can set your amount that your goal that you're looking for. And then once you meet it, you can move yeah. that money, you know, your your monthly, um, you know, margin somewhere else. Um, they maybe could have a higher return. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good question. Good thought. Um, you know, with yeah, that, very good. um, I did have somebody ask, um, uh, me a question. It wasn't submitted, but just asking me, um, you know, in the crazy world that we live in, um, they were asking, is now a good time to buy a house? 
And so I thought that'd be something, I know it's a difficult topic to cover, a lot of thoughts on it right now um, in the craziness of it, but I thought that's something that we could talk about and kind of share our thoughts, um, you know, at least our personal perspective on what we think about buying a house currently um, with what the housing market looks like. So what do you think, That's a great question. Uh, So one, I'm not a housing expert, so I just want that to be clear. (laughs) And uh, the housing market's very different from, you know, like the stock market or other markets. It's it's similar, but it's it's different. It's it's not the same idea. It's a little localized. So for right now, I live in Georgia, north parts of Georgia, and there's a lot of people moving from California and New York, uh, for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason is. Coming down here to Georgia, and they tend to have had a, a lot higher income than what is here in Georgia, and so they're able to afford a lot more. And so a lot of people that are selling their houses are asking pretty large amounts of money. And the the asking prices are, or the the buyout is usually about thirty to forty thousand dollars more than the asking price, yeah. and so that's something that's very difficult to compete with somebody that's here making what you know a person that lives in Georgia makes versus somebody that's outside of state. Now that's a localized thing. Now the nation as a whole um, is definitely going into a increase in the housing market, but it is it is localized, so it is it's going to be different at where you're at. So there's certain counties in Georgia that it's about the same. Um, And then there's certain counties in Georgia that it's absolutely insane. So, you know, there's a lot of variability to this. But as far as the question of should you buy a house, the answer is going to always be yes, if you can afford it. Um, Owning a house is cheaper, tends to be cheaper than than renting. Um, And if you buy something now, 30 years from now, it'll probably appreciate in value. So there's nothing wrong with buying a house. I personally will probably not buy a house anytime soon, unless just an amazing deal comes up, just because I know people are paying a lot of money more than what they used to be worth about a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking $50,000 to $100,000 more than what they were about a year, year and a half, two years ago. And to me, that makes me think, okay, well, maybe that's not appreciation of value. Maybe that is just a high demand. And that that should change. You know, when when you look at things like lumber prices, there was a high demand for it and there was a very low supply. So the cost of lumber went up drastically. That kind of thing is happening with houses. In fact, new houses are not being built because of that lumber shortage and other high material costs. And so houses that already exist, their value went up a good bit. So I personally think that this is not going to last forever. It might. It's just my personal opinion. Um, but uh, one thing my boy Warren Buffett said was uh, be uh, fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And right now, at least in my area, there's a lot of greedy people paying mm-hmm. a lot of money for not very much house. And so that makes me a little leery. And so just taking that kind of wisdom that, that is applies to you know the stock market or applies to to other markets i'm going to apply that to the housing market as well yeah no i i agree with that and again i'm not a housing um market expert um but i do understand how markets in general work um and so i think you you know said it right at least from what i have in, you know looked into and investigated you know if you go back to simple economics you know you've got your supply and demand um, and how it affects your price of the good, or in this case, a house. 
So you have a large short shortage in supply. And then I think also coming out of COVID, a lot of people were stuck indoors. So who wouldn't want to change the scenery? You know, like mm-hmm. I know I, uh, I did. My wife and I moved, you know, shortly after COVID. We just needed more space in general. We'd been planning on it. Um, but I think a lot of people were like, you know, it was that extra incentive to want, yeah. you know, to get a house, you know, being stuck inside um, a lot with COVID um, happening. So I think that also could have impacted your demand. I think there's a higher demand for it. And then in a lot of regions, um, as you mentioned, Cody, you know, with uh, some people doing remote work, they're like, well, why wouldn't we move to a um, lower cost of living area? We can get more house um, mm-hmm. for less or for the same amount that we would, you know, back where we're from like California or New York. Um, so I think that could definitely also be a factor, um, you know, in prices as well. But when you look at things like that, you have to evaluate, is this a long-term shift in supply and demand, or is it a short-term shift in supply and demand? And so from what I've seen, you know, especially on the building side, it appears to be a short-term change in supply um, and a short-term change in demand. Um, So if you look at that, you would expect that those would then adjust back over time or at least level out over time. So. I would expect houses are probably going to be built in the future. I don't know when, but you would think that the supply of houses would get back there, you know, get back up to speed. Therefore, the price of, you know, all houses should, you know, go down, um, you know, as the demand is being met. Now, I do not attempt to know the timing of when this takes place, and I don't think anyone can ever perfectly time market. but I do recognize patterns in the market. And so I do recognize, as you mentioned, Cody, you know, what seems like people being very aggressive and they seem to be overpaying for what the quality for the same house, the same quality you were getting a year ago, nothing changed with the house itself. It's only people's perception of the house and what value they think they're getting along with it. Um, And so I think that's what would make me, you know, worried. But I would also agree, you know, uh, with your sentiment that really it's do you need it and can you afford it? Now, I know we a lot of times we say I need stuff. Um, check out my um, blog post that I made a while back about what a want versus a need is. So I think if you actually need a place to live, like you can't for some reason can't rent where you're at and you have to buy a house and you can't afford it. OK, you know, you don't have to always time the market perfectly. But if you're somebody who's saying, oh, I kind of wish I could buy a house, I've kind of been thinking about it off and on, maybe it would be a pause to wait. It was the only thing I would say uh, for that, because this could be a really good opportunity when everyone else is buying an extreme highs um, just to get in and say that they got a house. It could be a great time for you to prep um, and start saving money and getting things ready for if supply catches up and if demand kind of cools off then prices should level off. Now, I'm not somebody, you know, who's going to be able to call uh, what they say, you know, a bubble or, you know, that there's going to be some big collapse. But I do believe that there's going to be some sort of adjustment over time, um, you know, where houses will, you know, um, kind of become cheaper or at least closer Mm -hmm. to what they were before. And that would be a great time if you're prepared, um, you know, to be able to go take advantage and buy. Um, I think a lot of times we just get into a frenzy and it's kind of what it's looking like, unfortunately, 
um, you know, where it's kind of a herd mentality of, oh, everybody's going and buying a house and it's the price is going up. So I better buy now. And it's like, well, it doesn't make really logical sense (laughs) just because everyone else is buying a house. And just because you think prices, you know, may go up, um, you know, it's still like, what are you buying? You're paying Mm -hmm. money for something. What are you getting in return? Um, So that's the only thing that I would um, look at as well is the value that you're getting. Um, You know, if I was going to, um, you know, into a store to buy my favorite cereal um, and I noticed that it was like, you know, um, almost double in the price that it was before, I wouldn't necessarily be excited to pay that, right? (laughs) Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, yes, sweet. It's double what it was before. Like, I would be like, oh, shoot, well, I guess I'll get a different cereal or I'll wait on cereal. You know what I mean? Um, I'll wait for the discount, you know? So I think, um, you know, you know, I never, you know, you never know exactly how the housing market's going to work, but it seems like everybody's freaking out that it's double the price. And it's like, I, I don't, you know, it's not double in every area, but, um, you know, so don't, I think it's a great Warren Buffett quote. Don't just be greedy just because everyone else is greedy. That's usually yeah. the time to be fearful because other people are probably overvaluing what they're paying, what they're getting. Um, yeah. Especially, yeah, a lot of people paying, you know, it seems like they're just going to extremes just to buy a house. And I don't think that's necessary. I think there's a lot of virtues in renting. Um, now, I know renting will depend on your region and availability um, as far as the pricing goes with that. But I still think renting is a great solution Um you know, because you're not really committed to this big debt that you're taking on um, or this long term agreement. It could be a really good just like, all right, we'll wait it out, see how things go. Um, yeah. And it's a great way just to like you're paying for somewhere to live. Can't really go wrong with that. Of yeah. Paying a reasonable amount to live safely with your family or, you know, if you're you know living on your own. Um, you know, I don't think it's a bad alternative. Versus no. saying that you have to buy a house. I don't think you have right. to, you know, unless yeah. that's your specific case. Then we're like right about at time, but I didn't want to add something else is uh, those that have a house, I'm sure you've had a real estate agent read out, reach out to you and say, Hey, you should sell your house. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people I know that have made a lot of money selling their house right now, even though that was not even on their plan, but they saw the offer, you know, before it was even on mm-hmm. the market and they were like, Whoa, this is awesome. But I also know some people that did that and could not find another house to live in. That's the thing. You've got to know where you're going to (laughs) live. Yeah. You got to live somewhere. So, so. you know, um, it's one thing to think about is like, yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity to make some money, but you might be, you forcing yourself to rent or to buy something more than you thought. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of people. I know a lot of people that are making a lot of money. And I know somebody that actually sold and is renting and it worked out really well for them. But outweigh those pros and cons. Um, Mm -hmm. Really think about it. It is a seller's market. So if you do have property to sell, go for it. But, you know, if it's just your house or just your home, I would really think twice before just looking at that number, because if that number is high for you, it's going to be high probably, you know, next door in whatever neighborhood that you're going to try to find a house in. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Um, I think it is a great opportunity to sell, um, but you got to live somewhere. So, yeah, 
make sure you've got alternatives, you know, could figure out. Because if it's, you know, if you're getting a lot, it's going to be a lot to buy somewhere else. That's, yeah. just, that's a great point, Cody. Yeah. Well, man, we're right at uh, right at time. So we appreciate those questions. They're really, really good. Uh, yeah, thank you. We all. love getting those. Uh, so if you guys have more, please send them our way, www.willandcody.com. Uh, just go to the contact us page, submit your question there. We'll answer it on the podcast. Uh, but anyway, guys, we really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. See ya.